Now we like to uh, spend some time together looking at Scripture and seeing what uh, God's living Word has to say to us in our lives and to teach us about Christ and about the Gospel and about our own lives as Christians and to challenge us, to challenge people here who might not be Christians to think about uh, the significance and the importance of the truth and the urgency of dealing with that truth in our lives. But I want to do three things by way of introduction and ask you to involve yourselves in this very quickly. First, to imagine uh, that uh, Peter was your preacher here. So imagine, that because this re- re- letter was written by Peter, the apostle, and uh, I want to imagine that you to imagine uh, what it would be like to have him write this to you and for him to be your preacher here. Then the second thing I want you to do is I want you to pray uh, that uh, the leadership here and the preachers here will be like him, that we will learn from uh, this apostle and that we will be like him in our leadership and in our preaching. Pray for that. But uh, then in the third place, I want you to recognize that Peter is far more than simply the preacher to this people. He's not simply the itinerant preacher that's going around uh, both preaching and uh, leading people to Christ and then writing letters to them. He's more than just that. He is uh, foundational to the Christian church because he's an apostle. Uh, And the the church built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And when he wrote these words, he wrote under divine inspiration. And so we recognize that these words aren't just the words of a preacher to his people, but they are the words uh, of God to the church. That They are broader than just... uh, what might have been a historic document uh, that we can look at and take kind of general advice from. We believe and understand that it has, this has become part of God's Scripture uh, and that it is recognized as such. That it therefore has more than just a passing interest to us. It has divine authority to speak into our lives. So while we see Peter and recognize him as a good example... Uh, that we can learn from, we see that the words he he is given are given by divine inspiration, uh, which he speaks about later in this section with regard to the prophets, that the uh, prophecies never had their origin in the will of man, but men spoken from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So what I want to do this morning is is just briefly uh, introduce three characteristics about Peter that are significant and important for leadership and also for all of us as Christians, but then focus uh, more specifically on the teaching that he gives here in this passage. But the first thing I want to say about Peter is that he clearly knows the people to whom he's writing, okay? He's no stranger to them. Peter knows his people. Uh, He says in verse 12, I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. Earlier, he calls them his brothers. Uh, They're like family to him. Later on in the letter, he calls them dear friends. And he knows them. He knows who they are. He knows the situation they find themselves in. He understands what's happening. He knows them spiritually. He knows how much they know. And uh, he then teaches them from God and encourages them also in their faith. So he knows his people. And that's a great aspiration for us as preachers and leaders in the church. And it's a great prayer for you to make for your leaders and preachers that we would know each other, 
but also that as a people we would know one another spiritually. It's a great, uh, it's a great congregational ethos to have is that uh, we gather together. It's not just about the Sunday preach. It's not just about the Sunday worship, but we recognize and know and understand one another and uh, do so as leaders and people together. The, the, as Peter describes himself as a servant of the people, so the leaders are servants of the people. And as we know one another and know each other's spiritual needs, because primarily that's what Peter says here, I know, you know, I know them and I know where you are spiritually, that that makes a great difference. That is where the atmosphere of effective teaching is at its best. You know, when we know and love and respect one another, that is where we will learn from one another uh, as a family together in Christ. And so we, we learn from Peter's knowledge of his people as being a great example uh, of leadership and of ethos for a body of people. But he also knows his own mortality. He knows his own mortality. In verse 14 he says, because I know I will soon, be, I will soon put his body, that is the, the tent of his body aside, uh, because our, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. Now, there's a, a general truth here and a specific truth. He generally knows that he's, he's mortal. He's not going to last forever, okay? But more specifically, he knows he's nearly going to die. He's near the end of his life. He's, he says clearly that the Lord is, Jesus has made known to him that his end is near. He had a prophecy that is uh, given to us in John's gospel uh, from Jesus about how he would die, uh, at least general details about how he would die. And general uh, uh, church history reminds us uh, that it was shortly after this time that Peter uh, was, uh, at least Christian tradition says, martyred, uh, crucified, possibly upside down uh, by Nero during the time of his great uh, uh, persecution of the church. He was going to die. He was going to die soon. Peter was going to leave the church. But the great thing is he's not a self-obsessed leader. Uh, he's not bemoaning this reality. He kind of almost is incidental in, in passing uh, this information on. He's not bitter about it. His focus is on Jesus, who to go and meet is far better, but also on the needs of the people. And uh, that is a great uh, um, characteristic and a great emphasis that he has. And it's a good one for leadership, and it's a good one for all of us. That the church is not about us. It's not about our uh, self-importance, about our service. It's about this recognition and the importance of uh, knowing our mortality, knowing we're only here for a short time. Our lives are passing swifter, as we were told in the Old Testament, than a weaver's shuttle. They're moving forward. We're moving on. And uh, to look at our lives in the light of that, and look at our service in the light of that, and look at our self-image and uh, our self-centeredness in the light of that also. He knows his own mortality. And he knows also, uh, the third thing, his, uh, that the work goes on. And it's related to that second point, isn't it? He knows the work goes on. In verse 15, he says, I'll make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. It's great, isn't it? He isn't predicating the work on his own uh, personality or his own leadership. He says, this is Christ's church. This is Christ's work. It is not mine, and it will go on absolutely fine without me. 
It's about the body of Christ with Christ as the head. Yes, he puts in place structures and leaders and, and leaders come and go and, and, and all, all of that. But it is Christ who is the head of his body, which is the church. Isn't that a great attitude? And isn't it great that Peter, the apostle Peter, was thinking about succession, thinking about the work going on, not him and not his position and not his apostolic privileges, but it was the work going on. And so in the church here, we're always going to be, you know, we're spending a lot of time in strategy in, in the next few weeks and months as leaders. Uh, what we're doing is seeking the best for the kingdom and for the cause and for the work so that almost we can get to the place where we could, as leaders, walk away and the work goes on. Succession because it is Christ's work and Christ's focus and we are serving, ministering servants to Christ. So these are three kind of, as it were, introductory statements about Peter's leadership. But what I want to focus on is, is great teaching in this section. Wonderful teaching, both as we see his character and we learn from that in Scripture, but also what he says. He says two very important things here. He says, don't forget, and he says, pay attention. That's what God says through Peter to us. He says, don't forget, and he says, pay attention. See, that first section, verses 12 to 15, is all about not forgetting. Remember, the church here was struggling. The people were struggling. They were struggling with opposition from outside, but more specifically, from bad, uh, heretical teaching from inside the church. And he is focusing them back onto the truth of the apostolic message of the gospel. Now, in the old days in schools... They talked about the three basics, didn't they? The three R's. Reading, writing, and arithmetic. That's what they talked about as being the basics of uh, schoolwork. Uh, I was talking a couple of years ago with my children about school, and I think it was Joe that said something like, did you use a slate at school? How old do you think I am? Good grief. But we did talk about these things, that that, that was the basis of, of learning in schools. The three R's, reading, writing, and uh, arithmetic. But Peter here uses three R's, three very significant R's. He says, remind, refresh, and remember. And they're all different ways of saying the same thing, all different ways of saying, don't forget. Don't forget basic, important truth. So I will always remind you of these things. Isn't this a great statement to start with? Even though I know you know them, and are firmly established in the truth. Here's, can you imagine the people, as it were, opening this letter? Oh, here's a letter from the apostle. Here's a letter from Peter. Wonder what new wonderful insights he's going to tell us. What's he going to give us that will inspire us to keep us going? What's he going to tell us about Jesus? Anticipation of great new truth, but no such thing. He goes back to the truths that he knows they already know and that they are firmly established in. Sometimes you can be a spiritual snob and you can come along to church looking for something wonderfully new and something great and uh, insightful that, well, you've never heard before because, you know, you're a, you've moved beyond the basics and you need something much more significant. Well, I tell you, you'll not find it here. And uh, if you're looking for it here, then I would encourage you just to leave because you'll not find it. You'll find here the truth of God's Word 
and you'll find that all of us are encouraged to go back to the truth of God's Word. It is uh, the importance of repetitive remembering. You know, we don't like to admit sometimes, but we have a tendency in practice uh, to forget, to be practical atheists in our lives. And so he's saying, remember. Uh, Remember. I want to remind you. Uh, I want you to uh, be refreshed. I want you to think about these truths again. There's sometimes how it is with, uh, with, I think maybe they say it more of Scottish people than anyone, that we we don't suffer uh, famous people well. You know, we we kind of, we would say to someone who's famous and maybe getting a bit big for their boots or who doesn't live in Scotland anymore and is gone to live in somewhere posh and expensive, we say, don't forget your roots. Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget who you are. And we kind of, we knock down people that are are on on pedestals uh, as a nation. We're we're good at that, I think, maybe. But isn't it important for us spiritually to do the same thing? That we always, God is, that's exactly what God is saying. He said, don't forget who you are. Don't forget where you've come from. Don't forget your spiritual need. Don't forget that you cried out for salvation and you needed salvation uh, because uh, you, like the rest of humanity, fell far short of the glory of God. And you see what Paul, what Peter's saying here is not that we, we have a lapse in memory. He's not saying learn a good memorization technique, however good that might be to remember catechism and to remember truth. He's not saying improve your memory here. That's not what he's talking about. He's, he's recognizing that it's, a, it's not a lapse in memory, generally speaking. It's a deliberate focus elsewhere that we deliberately choose, as it were, to forget because of the cost, because uh, of the embarrassment, because of the alienation, because of the commitment. You know, in, in the same way that the, the church here was, was tending to forget what they had, what they possessed, what they owned, because it was so difficult. And so they were choosing to forget what Jesus had done, choosing to forget how significant it was, choosing to forget his promises. So it's about, in our Christian lives, it's about infusing our Christian lives with the ability to recall, to remember, to infuse that into how we live our Christian lives, so that we're always remembering and recalling and uh, doing uh, what God wants us to do. And isn't it interesting? He says, you know this, and you're firmly established in it. So what is it? What is it that he wants us to remember and to recall and to uh, be refreshed in? Well, it goes back to what he said in the previous verses that we looked at before, so we'll not spend much time on it. Just the knowledge of Christ. This unsearchably deep knowledge of Christ. The promises of God. The fruit of the Spirit in our lives. You know, the godliness, perseverance, self-control, brotherly kindness, love. These things. He's wanting these things to be uh, remembered, to be refreshed with, to be recalled. And why, do we, why, do, why, will I, why will we always go back to that here? Why will everything we do be based on that? Because it's a bottomless treasure. That's why. Do you think it's boring to go back to Jesus Christ and to the cross and to salvation 
and to the message and to the unsearchable riches of the ethics of Christ and of the morality of Christ that he gives us and of the teaching of being brought from darkness to light. We can never graduate from that because of who Christ is and because of what he's given us. So the false teachers here in this passage in this, uh, that he's addressing later on were, were coming with fabulous new truths, wonderfully exciting and interesting but not God's truth, and not salvation truth, and not light, but darkness. Why? Why is it so important that we go back and keep going back to these truths? Because of remaining sin in our hearts that cause memory lapses. Because we fail to appreciate the grace and the peace and the joy of Christ. Why does a husband cheat on his wife? Why does a wife cheat on her husband? How can they do that? Because they forget. They choose to forget. They choose to forget what they have, what they had, what has been committed, the vows that have been taken. They have to forget. They have to make that choice in order to go down the road that they go down. And God says, we need to remember. We need to be refreshed. We need to recall. That's why he gives us one day in seven. To remember him, he says, remember him and remember the, the escape from Exodus, the, the redemption that I worked. Remember. Remember our spiritual redemption. That's why he gives the sacrament as often as we take it, to do this in remembrance of me. Why do we? Is it because we, we have memory lapses? No. It's not we have memory lapses. It's because we choose to forget. We choose to, to choose sin. We choose to forget who we are and, and where we've come from. So don't forget, he says. That's the first bit, big thing he says here. The second big thing he says here is pay attention. And that's really in the, the second section. He, he, he says, you know, it's important that we uh, pay attention to these things. In verse 19 he says, and we have the word of the prophets made more certain, you will do well to pay attention to it. You can, you can imagine, can't you, going back to school in the history lesson, and you're drifting wildly and thinking about something else. The mind's everywhere. And then the teacher sees you and claps her hands and says, pay attention, listen. Now, that may or may not be significant, but maybe if you're 30,000 feet up in a, a plane and you're going to skydive, and someone is t telling you what you need to do when you jump out of the plane, and you're not listening. And he says, pay attention. Yeah, and you want to pay attention, don't you? History will come and go, and history lessons, well, some people are interested, more interested in them than others. If you're diving from a plane at 30,000 feet, everyone needs to pay attention. But here, he's saying, you know, when it's important, we need to pay attention. And you have a duty this morning before God, and a privilege before God, to pay attention. This is God who says this through Peter, uh, his apostle. He says, pay attention to what's been said, because it's hugely significant. We don't like that, do we, really? We don't like even God saying to us, pay attention. But he asks us to. Don't forget, because he loves us, because he cares, because we're his children as believers. Uh, and he says, pay attention. Pay attention to God's voice and to the words of the prophets. So we pay attention to God's voice. And here Peter is kind of... Um, sealing his authority and sealing his uh, 
is right to say what he's saying as an apostle because he's reminding them of the authenticity of his message because he was one as was the mark of apostle who physically was with Christ and who saw Christ and who uh, was with Christ. And here in this passage from verse 12 to 15, he's talking about the transfiguration that's mentioned in the Gospels, where Jesus is on top of the mountain uh, with Moses and Elijah, and he he is transformed. uh, So his glory is revealed. However amazing that must have been, we're not really told much about it. We're just, it's explained that his glory was revealed to the, the disciples, and they, they all didn't know what to do. It was so incredible and so amazing. And so here he's reminding us that uh, this message is coming from the glorious God, who in verse 1, remember we saw amazingly, he says this is the God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So it's God who was revealed in his uh, Trinitarian person of sonship on uh, the mountain. And God the Father who speaks from the mountain at the same time, this is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. And it's an amazing picture, and it's an amazing um, link to the Old Testament and to the prophets and to the message of God and to the further uh, revelation of God in Jesus Christ. And uh, there's Trinitarian reflections all through it as it's the Father coming to the Son. And then later on we have the, uh, Peter speaking about those who are carried along by the Holy Spirit bringing God's Word. And so you've got this marvelous multifaceted truth that God's voice spoke through the cloud when Jesus was on the transfigurement. Before he went to the cross said, this is my Son whom I love. Listen to him. So Jesus was the Savior who had come well-pleasing to God. Listen, you know, listen to him. Isn't that amazing? With him I'm well-pleased. In the, in the passages in the gospel, it says, listen to him. And, and uh, we're reminded here of God's voice that we're to pay attention to. This is God who seals what Jesus is doing as the only way to uh, avoid death and hell and the only way to receive life and Christ, well-pleasing to God, God's stamp of approval. And Peter's saying here, you're tempted to listen to the false teachers who are bringing a flash, fancy new gospel that isn't the gospel and that isn't the truth. And he's saying, I want you to go back and remember and found yourselves in what you already know because it's based on this Jesus who is God, whose work was well-pleasing to the Father, and that is the only way. And Peter's saying to them, and he's saying to us, to whom are you entrusting yourself? Are you listening to false teaching and false truth or, and giving up and forgetting, or are you committing yourself to the Christ who alone is God's answer and God's hope and who transforms us and changes us? The only way, when we die and go to meet with God, that God will say, this is my son whom I love, with him or with her, child, son or daughter, I'm well pleased. The only time that verdict will be declared in us is if we are covered in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. If we have taken Jesus to be our Savior, so that the verdict that was given on him as the perfect one 
becomes the verdict that's declared on us, the imperfect ones who are nonetheless saved by His grace because we come to Him. So there will be one big important day that you will all face, that I will face too, that Peter faced and remembered. And it will be when we go to meet with God. What will his verdict be? Because he says here, that's why Peter's so determined that we pay attention, isn't it? That we don't forget. Because Christ is the Savior who alone can cover us with his righteousness so that the verdict is a positive one, is a blessed one, is a grace one, rather than depart from me, I never knew you. God's voice. But also, he says to pay attention to the word of the prophets made more certain in verse 19. We have the word of the prophets made more certain. You will do well to pay attention to his light shining in a dark place. And he's saying the prophets here didn't just give their own word, didn't just give their own interpretation. What they did was they prophesied and one of the marks of genuine prophecy was that that prof prophetic truth became true. And so, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, we find Peter saying here that uh, these words of the prophets are more certain because they have come true in Jesus. And they are absolutely uh, believable. They spoke of better things. The prophets spoke of the Messiah. They said he was a descendant of Abraham. They said he was of the line of David. They talked about him being Emmanuel. They uh, declared him the Son of God. They spoke about his crucifixion. They said he would be pierced. They said, they said, they said. There's many Old Testament prophecies that point towards Jesus. And these prophet prophecies are made more certain because they come from the Spirit and because they've been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So much so that he... As I've said often here in the last few weeks, he is declared, he is, he is the Word enfleshed. So the Word of the prophets uh, is in, uh, um, incarnated in Jesus, is enfleshed in Jesus. And uh, we recognize and see that uh, they point to Jesus. God points to Jesus. This is my son whom I love. Peter's pointing to Jesus. And he's saying, pay attention to Jesus. All good preachers will be pointing to Jesus Christ. All good Christians will live for and uh, uh, be indwelt by the Spirit of God who will uh, enable them to live lives that reflect and point to Jesus. And that's the great hope of the gospel for us. Why? Why is it so important? Why do we pay attention to it? Why do we not forget? Because he says, pay attention to it because it is like a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. So Jesus Christ and salvation and the gospel is the light of God, the life of God, the hope of God, the answer from God, the rescue from God. They say that Venus is the morning star. And it's called the morning star because the, sh the sun shines on Venus just before our dawn. And it's the light before the dawn. It's a reminder to us that the dawn is coming. And uh, it's the assurance that the dawn is coming and it is, it is rising uh, and will rise. 
Now, we live in difficult days. We live in dark days. We've always, the gospel has always been in dark days. And there's darkness in our hearts and ignorance and sin. And Christ is our Redeemer. And Christ's Holy Spirit is in our hearts. And we are to live as messengers of a dawn that is yet to come. We are to be the light before the dawn. We are to be the morning star. We are to show this world because of what Jesus has done. That there is more to life than this life. There is a day of reckoning. There is a heaven to long for and there's a hell to shun. And that this life isn't all that there is. That we are to be the morning stars that reveal Jesus to a, in, in a spiritually dark world because we know that our own hearts have been moved from, taken from spiritual darkness to light. The gospel of Jesus is light. It's life. It is hope. It is a future. It is truth. It is grace. And our lives are to glorify God and point people to a new dawn, to a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness. You think your life is insignificant? You think it unimportant? Not so. In Christ, we have this great privilege of being children who have the light of God, uh, the morning star rising in our hearts. That means it's an ongoing work. We're to be, be glorifying Him more and more every day, all of us in our lives. And our, our task is to, as leaders, is to point people, point ourselves and point others to Jesus Christ and to His life, to always be reminding ourselves not to forget. And so we will often go back to that uh, unsearchably bottomless treasure that is Christ and hope in so doing uh, recognize and learn new things but also give that imperative to you and to us to pay attention pay attention to the word of God this is my son and to the word of the prophets made more certain because this is God's son and if you don't know him you're in spiritual darkness and you need to come to know him uh, to escape great condemnation and uh, just judgment and separation from him. Uh, to know him is to love him and to serve him. And I invite you to consider Jesus Christ today. Let's bow our heads uh, in prayer. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its inexpressible truth. It's inexpressible greatness for its uh, unmatched depth and yet also its wonderful simplicity. Truth where babies can swim as can elephants. Place of uh, simplicity and uh, complexity. But above all, a place uh, where Jesus is revealed as the living Savior, the living God. And we ask that we would not forget. Lord, please forgive us when we consciously choose to forget.
when we block you out of our mind, out of our heart, where we pretend we don't know you, where we're embarrassed, where we're ashamed, where we uh, don't uh, infuse our lives with refreshing, with remembering, uh, with recalling your truth, when we don't spend time around your word, uh, imbibing that truth daily into our lives. Lord, give us these practices, give us these expressions of uh, putting into place the imperatives of grace. And Lord, help us to pay attention. So easy to drift, so easy to have our minds focused on other things that are not important, that are passing away, that will be here today, gone tomorrow. But Lord, help us to pay attention to these great eternal truths of God and to their, the, the voice of God through Jesus Christ and through the Word as it reveals Jesus to us. So help us, we pray. Bless us and guide us in Jesus' name. Amen.